0: Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, which features the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. In 2015, among a sample of 130 countries, Singapore ranked as the 10th most entrepreneurial, based on entrepreneurial attitude, ability and aspiration in the Global Entrepreneurship Index. The country was also second globally in being the most competitive for business and having the best intellectual property protection. The country's entrepreneurship landscape has blossomed over the last decade, with business entities formed and employment rates rising sharply. This progress is the result of sustained efforts by the government to develop a more conducive environment for entrepreneurship. But what is it that Singapore is doing right? And what more needs to be done in order for it to further climb the ranks and become Asia's nucleus for thriving entrepreneurship? In this podcast, Professor Akot Desai Narasimhalu, who is Professor of Information Systems and Director of the Institute of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at SMU, shares his views on pushing Singaporean entrepreneurship to the next level. Professor, can you tell us what have been the key enablers in building Singapore's entrepreneurship?
1: The push towards entrepreneurship started in the mid-90s under the leadership of uh, Mr Theominkian who was then the chairman of National Science and Technology Board, with the blessings of the then Prime Minister, uh, our Deputy Prime Minister, Dr. Tony Tan. They were trying to encourage more scientists and engineers to become entrepreneurs. The program was called Technopreneurship. And a number of research institutes, which were affiliated with National Science and Technology Board, uh, responded to the call and Kentridge Digital Labs, which is one of the entities, actually created 21 companies, raised $120 million took c- set up uh, startups. Then the next stage was when National Research Foundation was set up. They set up a number of programs. And these programs were to help move the intellectual property created in the research institutes and in the institutions of higher learning to the market. Specifically, they had the proof of concept grant, followed by technology incubation scheme and early stage venture capital. The other significant player in this ecosystem is Spring Singapore, which has also helped about more than 200 Ideas go from business ideas to close out to market. They have also been funding (coughs) startup companies and early stage companies through the SEEDS program. So collectively, the nation has been trying to build an ecosystem from ground up. And we feel as a result now a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of buzz. And the most recent example is the creation of Launchpad, which consists of blocks 71, 73, and 79. And there are plans to bring in three other blocks as well. So the government has been taking a lot of the risk upfront. They have been investing significantly in this endeavor. And the government has actually created a very positive climate for entrepreneurship.
0: What do you think are the missing parts, then, in developing a more entrepreneurial culture?
1: The most important thing is, I like to use an analogy. It's as if the government has already put down the rails for trains to go. They even built some small trains, and they have launched initial services. This is, It is time for now both the society and also the private sector to jump in and leverage the momentum. If you look at uh, the private sector, it has been responding to opportunities the government has given, and it has done so especially when there was good leverage, such as for every 15 cents the private sector put in, the government was willing to contribute 85 cents for the technology incubation scheme. I think we have now come to a stage where the private sector should not be depending on government support, rather getting into this ecosystem, building this ecosystem all by themselves. If you look at the challenges now, they are on two broad fronts. One is on the social front of society at large, increasingly parents are becoming aware that entrepreneurship is an alternative career option for the children, but the numbers have to increase. They should feel that entrepreneurship is a good training program, where even if the children do not succeed, that experience will be useful for them to join a corporate entity. Second, we find a number of entrepreneurs who have done well, and exited the companies and made some small fortunes or large fortunes, I have now turned investors, which is good. At the same time, I would like to see more entrepreneurs go on to do the second, third, fourth successful company because they have gone through the experience and it would be nice if they can do the second company and nurture some younger people so that they can also go through The experience, we need to have some kind of explosive growth. If you want explosive growth, it can only be achieved by serial entrepreneurs. The second part to this is the participation of the private sector in a much more significant manner. Private sector has started, for example, Singapore Telecom, Mediacorp, or StarHub. They have been setting up their own incubators and mentorship programs to grow companies that are more relevant for themselves. They will certainly help these companies keep the lights on, as they say, or even grow the market. The next step is really for private sector in Singapore to contribute to setting up of a independently managed venture fund. And this venture fund should be managed by experienced entrepreneurs and experienced venture capital managers. But the private sector should become limited partners. In order for this to happen, government should examine the tax policy to see whether something can be done to encourage large companies becoming limited partners in independent venture capital funds. These are important directions we like to see going forward. Uh, One of the reasons why companies in the valley succeed is because the society at large and enterprises, private enterprises in particular, are willing to try out emerging solutions. This is known as early adoption. Early adoption is an infancy in Singapore when it comes to solutions emerging from Singapore. We need more private sector participation in early adoption of solutions coming out of startup companies created in Singapore. The government has done well on this front as well. Uh, IDA has set up a program which says accreditation at IDA. Any of the companies they approve can bid for government contracts. Again, this is a government-nurtured initiative. I like to see the crossover from public sector to private sector, in the early adoption scene. The other area where I like to see some improvement is the valuations and the stage at which investors come in. I have come across investors who want to invest between 50 and 100,000 Singapore dollars uh, as angels And they like to come in when a company is making revenues and profits. This is not the traditional definition of angel investors. Angel investors come in when someone has an idea. They put some money. They take risk, of course. It is paying forward. They then work with the entrepreneurs to create value for the company. So it is not about financial returns. It's about value creation. We need to see more angel investors coming in at an idea stage. Second,
0: there are a number of Series
1: A investors in uh, Singapore who also like to come in when the revenues and the profits start coming into the company. Once again, early stage investment, especially Series A, is typically money raised to build out a product, and to do some early marketing. So we like to see more early stage investors, Series A investors, who are willing to fund companies which are promising ideas, and help them grow by putting in a few million dollars, one, two, or three million dollars, so that they can develop the product and start marketing it. These are two areas where I think investment community can respond to growing the ecosystem beyond where it is today.
0: In conclusion, can you summarize what are the biggest hurdles for entrepreneurs in Singapore to think bigger?
1: The entrepreneurs in Singapore should start with the very clear idea that the solutions they create should be for certainly the region, if not the entire world. Singapore government and Singapore ecosystem allows them to develop solutions and test them in a multi-ethnic society in Singapore. They should definitely use Singapore population as a testbed for piloting their ideas. But from day one, they should be thinking about growing the company beyond Singapore. And that is when they can create what is generally known as unicorns which are about $1 billion in valuation at the time of exits. We have two very large economies, which are our neighbors, China and India. We can create companies which are targeted at these two markets, either both or one at a time, and find partners there who can bring us into those markets and grow into those markets. At the same time, we should not forget We have another closer neighbour, Indonesia, which has about 300 million people, about 115 million people who have enough money to spend on smartphones and related applications. We should try to see how we can leverage Indonesia as well. In In that sense, I am beginning to see some enlightened venture capital managers, targeting Indonesia as a primary market given that there are a lot of players already addressing China and there are also some people addressing the Indian markets. So a concerted effort in bringing ideas beyond Singapore is a very important ingredient in ensuring we are able to create companies that are globally visible.
0: Thank you, Professor.
1: Thank you.